This is Lauren. This is Trey. And this is the Partnership Podcast. This week's episode, we are talking about Dr. Jack Moran's four cornerstones of eroticism and how we use them in our relationship. Because we've been together for like four years now. It gets boring. Enjoy. Here we go. Honey, good morning. Good morning, baby. Okay, say what you just said. (laughs) I was just in New York City and doing a educational gathering. And a topic that continually came up is I am in a healthy relationship, healthy partnership for the first time ever, and our sex is boring as hell. What do I do? Help. Fuck. Okay. Because I have had mind-blowing sex in past relationships in the most toxic of partnerships. And I thought I would still have that kind of great sex if I found a healthy partnership. Help me. Because it's boring and I'm dying inside. Okay, great. Yeah. Love it. So we spent maybe five days apart. Mm-hmm. And While I was inside New York City. Yeah. And we, okay, cornerstones of eroticism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me refresh. This is something you and I talk about all the time. It's almost second nature. And it always, when I speak to an audience, blows their mind. So let me do a little refresher for the audience really quick. Cornerstones of Eroticism it was coined by Jack Moran, my boo. And he did research on thousands and thousands of individuals and realized that our most erotic thoughts kind of fell into four categories or a blend of these four categories. We've talked about this on past podcasts, but they are longing and anticipation, one, violating prohibitions, two, search for power, three, and overcoming ambivalence, four. Let me give the quickest refresher, but it's exactly as it sounds. So don't, no one needs to try to overcomplicate them. Some people are turned on when they are longing for someone and they're never quite getting it, a longing unfulfilled. They are anticipating seeing a person. They had such hot sex in a long distance relationship. Why don't I now? That type of thing. Um, violating prohibitions is so many of us who grew up in restrictive cultures and it's the naughtiness factor or it's that this is slightly prohibited it's the forbidden fruit kind of aspect okay many of us including Trey who didn't grow up in repressed sexual culture have a little bit of violating prohibitions we'll talk about it more in sec third one is search for power this often shows up with people who love like um, teacher fantasies or BDSM yes and kink sure we always talk about that but it's really that there's an age differential, a power differential, um, a wealth differential. And these, remember, y'all, fantasy is not reality. And what makes for hot erotic spaces, right? Esther Farrell says red light district is not necessarily what we look for in partnership, which is why this becomes such a conundrum, right? Um, I am reading three women for my Hemlock book club, shout out, join Hemlock. And so many of these women are involved in relationships that involve some form of power dynamic, unhealthy power dynamic. But guess what? The sex is hot. Okay, so that's search for power. Last one is overcoming ambivalence. And this often shows up when we have, as children, needed to get someone's attention, whether it's a parent, whether it's we were told that boys only wanted one thing, so to be friends with people who weren't interested in you sexually. So Lauren, I'm the perfect example of this. Um, My first kiss, first crush, and first husband were all gay. I think literally in my soul, I was like, oh, if they're ambivalent towards me, it means they respect me, which means if I just work to get them to notice me, we'll be good. We'll be like easy squeezy. 
It was very messed up. That's some fucked up math. Really fucked up math, okay? But overcoming ambivalence can be really hot when we feel like we're trying to get some. Notice me, notice me, notice me. Um, Because a client said this so wisely the other day. They said, I feel like when I work that much harder for something, the reward is going to be greater. Okay. Joke's on us. It's not. Huh. Okay? And yet, when we've worked really hard for an erotic sexual encounter with a casual partner or a toxic partner sometimes the sex is that much better so let's get into this okay so the cornerstones of eroticism now this is the question i pose to you and to us how do we exercise Mm -hmm. our favorite cornerstones and get into our red light districts in a really healthy respectful gratifying way Mm -hmm. well i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna answer but i'm also gonna toss it back to you okay because you're the one that kind of helped us kind of feel into this when I got home because I got home from New York and did we have some good sex just a little bit expound you got home what like a week ago I got home Friday night yeah so a week ago all I've wanted to do is like pursue you it's crazy Uh uh-huh and the sex has been wild wild it's been just so lovely also, we're synced. Mm-hmm. Also, we're mm-hmm. healthy right mm-hmm. now. Also, we're pursuing our purposes mm-hmm. and our missions. Mm-hmm. And we're clearly communicating. Mm-hmm. We're also doing all of these things. Right. We're doing our nightly check-ins. Mm-hmm. We're doing our mm-hmm. ouches. We're mm-hmm. doing our what brings you joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But there is something very special about like when one of us leaves for an extended period of time. This this time it was five days you were in yep. the city. I was here. Yeah, when we come back to each other finally, yeah, there's something very, very hot and animalistic. What's What was the one that that would apply to? Longing, Longing and, anticipation. and anticipation. Yeah. You always say, you use this phrase, it gives us space to miss each other. Mm-hmm. And I think... In That's your... from a, a 3% male, uh, Corey Wayne. Okay, cool. Um, Esther Perel would say, it allows us to define our separateness so that we can work for togetherness again. It gives us something to work for. So many people in long-term partnerships exist in close quarters with their person. There's never any work to do. And let's all face it, the pursual, the hunt, is so much of the fun part, the courtship, the wooing, the, the wanting, right? What does Esther say? To love is to have, to desire is to want. Okay. When yeah, I just yeah, yeah. have you, I could have sex with you at any point. When I'm away from you... I desire sex with you because I start to miss sex with you. Mm-hmm. So here, this this was kind of what we wanted to chew on today, is what are ways inside of healthy partnerships to embrace the cornerstones, right? If these are erotic things, and you and I believe that pleasure is good and beautiful, and that our erotic minds are as much a part of us as anything else, how do we incorporate them in healthy ways inside of healthy partnerships? So I would say one way is to spend some time apart, Mm -hmm. right? Go on a girl's trip. Go on a guy's trip. Go on a solo trip. You send me away all the time. It is always like some of the best time for our relationship, ironically, is to come back to self. And not only was I gone, babe, I was on my missions and purposes. Mm. 
you not only said go, you said chase. Mm. I will be here. Um, and it was so good. That required security in our partnership. And so to go, to be in my missions and purposes, whenever we're apart, we don't talk that often. We maybe did, we did one phone call, I think one FaceTime, one five minute FaceTime. And the rest were just texts kind of sporadically throughout the day. We kind of try, I, I know I do intentionally, not to text all the time, are you okay? You know, no, it's I trust you. I believe in your agency and autonomy. And yeah, we'll come back together. And then it's kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead. For me, it's the same thing where it's like, I trust you, even though you're in the big city, even though it's like, you know, quote unquote, more dangerous there and you're, you know, a woman. But it's uh, it's almost like I have to trust in your agency and autonomy. Do you think that helps with some of the like princess in a tower stuff? Like I'm not in the tower. I'm like out doing my thing. And so then almost I'm a little more attractive because I'm not as needy. You know how Esther says that caretaking is the greatest anti-aphrodisiac. Yeah, fucking stinks. Do you think because I'm a little less dependent uh-huh. when I'm in the city a little bit, that it's a little bit of a turn on? Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know you love caring for me, but this is this is what we have to work through in long-term partnership is that partners care for one another. They do. You're a completely independent lady. Say if, yeah, if we're, what, 400 miles away yeah. from each other, you're a completely independent lady. Okay. So partners, husbands, wives, loving husbands and wives care for one another. Mm-hmm. Lovers... <laughs> They come, they go, right? Yeah, it's true. like, see you later. It, there's there's that separateness so that there can be erotic friction. So I wonder if that's some of it too. Yeah, maybe. Right? Never thought about it consciously, but uh-huh. yeah, definitely. Maybe can, before we move on to the cornerstones, can I share my experience <laughs> with you being away? Yes. I dropped you off Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And like day one is almost like somebody said the analogy of Home Alone. Or <laughs> Kevin McAllister just fucking partied his ass off. And ate a bunch of, like, sweets. So that's basically, I was giddy leaving the train station. I went home because we didn't have the baby. Baby was with dad. I locked the fucking doors. Uh, I got high as shit. And maybe watched TV or fucked off in the basement. But it was like party city. And then, and then like, Sunday night rolls around. And I'm like... Okay, cool. I've done what I used to do as a teenager. I'm almost 40. What are you doing now? And then, you know, the drugs wore off, the Coors Light wore off, and I started kind of planning. Hmm. I got back on my mission Hmm. and purpose. And the rest of the week was actually really regimented. I don't think I drank. No, I didn't. I didn't drink. Uh, No weed. And I was just, I was on point. Mm. And this is one thing that I normally don't do. The bed was made every day and the coffee was prepped the night before where it was very much, I had a great week of stretching, strength training. Recovery was mm. huge. Where I can't really fuck with uh, weed and alcohol if I really want to recover optimally. Yeah. So, yeah, I was on my shit. Mm. Yeah, I was really on my game while you were gone Interesting thing you said, desire. I call I I, I talk about hunting mode, mm-hmm. where if it's mm-hmm. like it's a single male, mm-hmm. they're gonna be just they're they're a little bit more dialed in. Mm-hmm. What to love is to have to desire want. is to want. Yeah, 
And if you want to attract females, you need to be in like hunting mode. Mm. I almost switched over into hunting mode mm. where I was really on point with my diet. I, I feel like I'm a little, I have a little bit more body fat that I want to carry right now. Mm. Um, so I was really on point with diet and all the shit that I just, I, I almost flipped over into hunting mode, mm-hmm. which I like that mm-hmm. version of myself mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. And that's carried over since you've been mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. And that's the version of myself I really like. Right. But I'm within partnership. Right. You know, we're legally obligated to each other, according to the state of Virginia. And, mm-hmm. but I like this version of myself the most, where I'm on point. And I feel more confident within myself right. when I'm like this to desire maybe, uh, I don't know, yeah. I'm done. No, thank you. thank you for no sharing that. We love when you talk. Mm-mm. Yes, they do. Never talking again. <laughs> I can feel that. I have felt it. I am feeling it. And people in long-term partnerships, I don't care what gender you are or orientation you are, how awesome does it feel to feel desired by a partner who finds themselves desirable? Trey is exactly right. When we are attempting to find a mate, or when we are seeking for someone to push our genitals against, we care for ourselves in a way that is interesting and what all my research continually reach, like leans back into, which is also a part of the book, How to Be the Love You Seek, that we've been working through is that we got to be the first lovers to ourselves, right? We become the type of people that our partners would want to date or smush genitals with. It starts with us. And then when we become that person, then the world's our oyster. (laughs) And what's so beautiful about that is then that we are okay in a container in our own like just here, right? Mm-hmm. The, this this amount of desire that's been playing back and forth with us started with you on your own. It didn't start with me here. It started with you saying, what kind of person do I want to be right now in this season? Okay? And we all have the autonomy to have seasons of rest and seasons of, mm, right? Like purpose. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I think we are cyclical human beings. I think we go through seasons and that it's not all supposed to be like a season like this. I think we need seasons of um, kind of resting in, gathering, kind of storehousing, and then boom, like yeah. we come out again. I think that's actually okay. And you say seasons. I say I say days also. 100%. We need days of pop, 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 pop. Like you today know, is a pop, 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 pop day for me. I'm excited about that. You speak to it all the time when you're talking about you just did it, recovery days. Right. Yeah. I, I think when we've had like a woo and some output, um, we need some recovery days. Mm-hmm. That's OK. And so we might need a recovery season. We might. I have clients all the time who are like, should I feel bad that I'm single and I'm just happy being single right now? <laughs> like I'm not looking for a sexual partner. And I'm like, no. That's generally when you find it, too. When you're yeah. really happy just being yes. single and I'm not looking, something like knocks on your door. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's really interesting about this separateness time that we had, too. Mm-hmm. is that we were both 
love what you said about the bed and the coffee because for the audience, they don't know that 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 is always a part of our routine. But when Trey is alone, he will sometimes, and rightly so, have these like bachelor days where, yeah, things scatter, bed's not made. It is a different side of Trey. The house gets destroyed if it's just me and no one's grading my fucking mess. That's what it is. You guys aren't coming and going. And it's like the house sometimes just get fucking destroyed. It's disgusting. It's like bachelor bullshit. It's mm-hmm. so, but yeah, this time it, it no, it was actually very clean. Uh-huh. It was very orderly. It was maybe overly orderly. Uh-huh. Whatever. It's what it is. I just do find it fascinating because you get to, first of all, we all get to. Sure. There's, there is like a, ah, right? And you did. You locked the door. I When I dropped you off at the train once, or maybe the airport baby was also gone. Yeah, I came home and screamed. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm free. It felt so good for about, yeah, 24 hours. And then I was like, okay, back to the things that actually light me up. Correct. Mine last two to three days, and then I get like a, a sensation of like, I want to be touched. Okay, well, let's move to that then. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's the clink, longing, anticipation again, right? I I think that all of us as human beings are created to be in community and created for belonging. I don't think all of us are meant for long-term partnership, whatever. Um, but you and I love touch. It is just like, we live it, we crave it. And so I am interested, what did the longing feel like, the want, the desire? What did it feel like in your body? We do things in the middle of the night where we just like reach over mm-hmm. and we touch, we touch each other. We, we kiss before we like get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Like our little routines of like checking in with each other's bodies. Yeah. That's what I long and anticipate. Mm. And I get to I get to squeeze your butt as you walk by. So if I see one of your archetypes out there, like a tall model looking brunette, I was like, oh. <laughs> I want touch. I mean, touch is like my core, mm-hmm. I think, way to show. What is it? To receive. Yeah. I, yeah. Touch is my big one. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's my longing. Mm. So how do I do that in a healthy way? I just wait. Anticip- <laughs> not squeeze the ass of random people on the street that was good Good i'm not there yet good job i'm I'm not there yet. we celebrate you yeah assaulting people i'm just not Mm -hmm. not there yet yeah so i think what you know i don't want to bemoan this forever but i think it was so beautiful that also i think we had even had a conversation before i left of you were like are you going to be said something about being horny in the city or something and i was like you know babe i I am going for a purpose. Like, I am on my mission. I know I will feel desirable, but, like, I, I am, I'm going to be dialed in. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to be in my phallic energy, which I have possession of, which is mine to claim. I am not going to be in a seeking uh, um, someone to penetrate. Like, I, I'm just not – it's not going to be the focus. Got it. Now, once my big events were Sunday into Wednesday and a lot of other stuff in between – once Thursday morning came around, I was like, mm, okay, yeah, no, I am ready for my lover mm-hmm. who can celebrate all this work that I've done, who can um, be carnal with me, who can, like, I want some play. Like, I was craving play Thursday. Question for you. Did you start to see other pretty men once the hard things were done? Mm-hmm. And you were allowed to kind of play within your sexual fantasies. Mm-hmm. Was there, were you sending out more fuck me vibes? Yes. You know, it's funny. 
in a, I, I definitely saw men and noticed men, and this is a, a practice that is encouraged in our relationship, so I want everybody to understand this. Um, and it was like before Thursday, I didn't have the time of day for them. Before Thursday, I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, got to go, right? Like, yeah, notice me, see me, great, that feels nice. I see you too, you're hot. Thursday, yeah, it was like somebody come pursue me vibes. I think I even told you that Friday morning mm. there was some gorgeous like Italian who walked into like our hotel lobby um, and he had on a gray sweatsuit that was like not like Fruit of the Loom gray sweatsuit. It was like cashmere or something. It was gorgeous. Okay. It was gorgeous. Um, but everybody knows like a gray sweatsuit like shows the whole body, right? High-end like sweatpants. It was gorgeous. Anyway, but I told Italian. you, I told you that I like most, I have the most gorgeous Italian oh, sweatpants. God, it was so pretty. Um, I told you that we made long eye contact. There was obvious noticing of each other, and all I, 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 I wasn't in my phallic anymore. I like wanted him to come start a conversation mm-hmm. with me, and because you were like, "Did you fantasize? Did it lead to anything?" And yeah. I was like, "No." Like by this point. <laughs> I was just craving your energy. I was craving the man who would come like into the room, see Mm -hmm. me and come over to start a conversation. And I literally even journaled about this, that, wow, there's this gorgeous man here. All I want is my husband. I like, if my husband walked around the corner right now, I'd be like, oh, God damn, that is the hottest man in this space. Also, you're allowed to take me upstairs and fuck me in your room, too. Well, true, but honey, it is... God damn it. You like downplay yourself so much, hun. You are really what I want and crave. Mm. Like. <laughs> Not just the flavor of the week? No, babe. Like I appreciate your care of your body and these things. And I do think it's important in yeah. long-term partnership, right? That you feel desirable. And, but it is, it is who you are. Like you walk around, the way you are able to pierce into me. Yeah. And is, it's not just because I do body weight push-ups. No. Paul's. Okay. Let's let's tie let's get back to these cornerstones and how they mm-hmm. are applied in a healthy yeah. relationship. Well, this is perfect because now let's move into violating prohibitions. Tight. Because That's what I meant to say. No, hey, you were so perfect. What did I say? Cornerstones? Edit. It is Go cornerstones. Ahead. Did I say it correctly? Yeah. Keep it in. You're good. Next one, cornerstone two, is violating prohibitions. And that's the other, like, kind of sad thing within a marriage. We are condoned by the state of the Commonwealth of Virginia mm-hmm. to have sexual relations. There are no more prohibitions of having sex. We're legally required to fuck each other? We are. State do, of Virginia? Whoa. Do you know that up until recently there were laws in states that women had to? And so men were using this in court. Oh, Your Honor. Like She's not she, putting out enough? Like, yeah. Like, uh, anyway, I'm not going to misquote these facts, but I will put the link in the captions, okay. or like in the notes. In some states, I think in the Commonwealth, until recently, marital rape was allowed, was permissible because it was like, right, you're in a union. Anyway. How do we track. violate prohibitions right. in a healthy manner? Mm-hmm. Well, so many ways. Okay. So... I'll give just some examples of things we've done, but then you want to jump in with some of the things that you think you've done? Love it. Okay. Um, I'm going to reference a most recent encounter. Was this yesterday morning? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So this is a simple one. (laughs) I'm telling you, y'all, go away and then come back to your partner because, wow. Um, We... I was going to get out of bed, and I, I don't encourage this all the time, 
because I really like doing my morning pages and my morning practice. But somehow I started telling you about an erotic literature story. Did I tell you that morning? It was, was that, it that morning or last night. The night before? Mm-hmm. God damn it. And so then I, why am I saying that so often today? So then we just kind of start touching, almost like just exploring each other's body. And I'm like, I've got to go. But everything in me is giving the signs of I really want to stay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I really want to stay. So we, here is a way to violate prohibitions inside of long-term partnership. Can Trey and I have penetrative intercourse? Of course we can. But sometimes it is really fun to make it like we can't. So instead, there was fingering, there was touching, there was grabbing, there was groping. There was like, I I think our clothes stayed on. Our clothes stayed on. And we're like touching one another's genitals almost like you would in high school with, with your partner like while watching a movie and I'm like grinding and pulling and tugging and we're kissing it was so hot and the I will speak about the orgasm in my body delicious because some I think I ended up touching myself again it was like mutual masturbation and fast which I am not about making our orgasms happen quickly I'm not it's just that I think in my head sometimes I can be like, well, I can't have sex in the morning because I deserve 20 to 40 minutes. It's true. And sometimes an encounter isn't 20 to 40 minutes and then I can still get up and go on with my day, which I did. How was this prohibition sexual encounter for you? So my wife uh, (laughs) used my cock over her pajama bottoms to get herself off while I had my mouth on her tits. (laughs) That was very graphic. One of my core erotic themes is being used like a tool. It was (laughs) ah, so enjoyable. And then uh, then I said, uh, baby, can we have some penetrative sex after she came? And uh, speak for yourself. I love a quick orgasm. (laughs) And also, I knew you needed to get to your morning pages so you can manifest. So I I manifested... uh, yeah, nice quick orgasm, and uh, bing, bang, boom, that was that. And you know what? As a thank you, I said, get out of here, honey. I'm going to make the bed. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's important, though. Okay. This is, whoa. This is so important. This is how you play with the cornerstones in long-term partnership, okay? Because was this very kinky, fun, full of obstacle encounter really fun? Yes. And then I still had a really full day. Okay, so the way that partners who actually know each other's lives can support each other is once the container is over, once the orgasms have happened, jump back into partnership, right? I really had to go. And so you picked up the slack. We usually make the bed together, everybody. It's like a ritual. Yeah, you took it over. You were like, go, get ready. Because you knew that that time had been dedicated to other things. Thank you for that. That is a perfect example. Yeah, when you cook, I do the dishes. So you cooked with my penis. And I made the bed. Have you guys seen the like trend? Make sure and like and subscribe to this podcast. <laughs> we give great tips. But I, I I seriously think that's true though. It this healthy relationship, which is that sharing the load of life, is so beautiful. Okay? And that type of erotic, really next nasty sex is so hot. Fuck yeah. Okay. All right. Third cornerstone of eroticism. 
search for power. Well, okay, because I wanted to talk about something more in violating prohibitions, but I'll wrap them together. Search for power. Mm-hmm. Um, this can be so many things. Um, one of them can be, you know, uh, deciding ahead of time, like, I'm going to be in control of this sexual encounter, right? Like, I'm going to lead it. I'm going to play. Um, oh, my God. Our hotel sex that we've talked about on here, that one time after we had a like, argument, it was like my turf, my territory. I was staying at this hotel. I invited you up, right? 100% a power thing, which, again... No, I'm good in a lot of ways, right? We both said we don't want sex where we have to fight to have good sex. Correct. That was consensual, right? 100%. Agreed to come up even. Yeah, okay, yeah. That great, great example. 100%. Is a search for power one of the reasons I'm attracted to older women? Yeah, because they started giving me attention when I was like 17. Yep. And I was, yeah, I started fooling around with older women mm-hmm. when I was like 17, 18 years old. Remember, everybody, pleasure is the greatest antidote to pain. And remember the episode where Trey had this, like, revolution, where he was like, not revolution, revelation. He's like, (laughs) is it to do with my mom? Yeah, that was disgusting. It is, though. Okay, so, but listen, pleasure heals. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't give a fuck. We should celebrate this in our bodies. But, yeah, there's no – we're the same age. In fact, you're older, hilariously. I am older. You're a year older. I'm a year older. Uh Uh-huh. You have a thing for older men. And apparently I always had a thing for younger women this entire time. Uh, Okay, but I'm not an older woman. Not yet. (laughs) I'm getting older. Um. Yeah, you want to share how we play with it in our in our world, in our erotic imaginations, in our fantasies? How, how is it explored? How is it oh, celebrated? Okay, yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Search for Power, we have a like a Noel date. Noel is, she is my, uh, I don't want to say prostitute. You sex don't say worker. that anymore. Yeah, she is my sex worker and I give her a call usually once or twice a year and I make a date with Noel. And so that's kind of a right, a power dynamic thing, correct? Can you explain to the audience, is Noelle real or is Noelle pretend? Noelle's really real. She's very real, but she's also my legally obligated wife. So it's just a kind of a character thing that we Mm -hmm. do together Mm -hmm. where, and then, um, yeah, and then I ask permission from Mm -hmm. Lauren Mm -hmm. if like, hey, you know, Mm -hmm. is it okay if I see Noelle? Mm Mm-hmm. Is it named Noel because we started this around <laughs> Christmas? <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to remember. Oh, it's a hundred percent Noel because her first visit to you was Christmas. That's right. And it's a lovely Christmas treat. It is. It's it's literally become part of our Christmas tradition until mm-hmm. my sister and her boyfriend were here, but we were all sick anyway. I just, yeah, and you know we also we could have booked Noel like a week yeah, previously. Yeah, Noel usually... doesn't just work on the holidays. <laughs> Usually it's a Christmas morning thing, though. Great. And yeah, that's then... right. That's how it started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that's a power dynamic. hundred percent. Yeah, I guess, There's... because do we have... But we take turns having what? Like phallic-centered sex mm-hmm. versus... What's the opposite of phallic-centered sex? Non... I don't want to say puss-centered sex. No, non-phallocentric. Non-phallocentric sex? Non. Not now. Non-phallocentric sex. Where we do what the lady wants. Yeah. Guys, mm-hmm. sometimes you got to do... What the lady wants. Mm-hmm. But I would say that when Noel comes to visit, in my mind too, it is totally phallocentric. It is all to please you. And I have fun with that. 
You got to come first, though. Yeah, I know. You always. Why do you roll your eyes at that? Because you're such a good lover. Even when we're doing some power dynamic sex, it's good. It's beautiful. This is why we must do these things in long-term partnership. I was going to say also that we do not, we've shared this before, that if I see someone who is of an age that is higher than mine, like out at the grocery store, I will, uh, and I find her energy like so sexy and attractive, I will come home and tell you. Right? Is that part of a power dynamic? That is part of incorporating the cornerstones of eroticism into our long-term partnership. Okay? My husband is attracted to older women. Uh-huh. Beautiful. I celebrate it. Okay? So I'm not – I know that there's this power that comes with age. That is a piece of the search for power. And so – and I'm not an older woman. And so a way that we incorporate it is still allowing – other human beings to be celebrated in their beauty inside of our partnership. And vice versa, where my wife is attracted to older men. Yes. And so I celebrate that as well. Yeah. No, you have been known to, while we're grocery shopping together, be like, baby, hot dad, aisle six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, because we'll usually like get our different things that we yeah. come by each other. Yeah. That that feels like a celebration of a cornerstone inside of that, long-term partnership. Is that specifically power dynamic within celebration of cornerstones or maybe not? Yeah. I mean, because okay. when we would talk about power differentials that one would need to be careful of uh-huh. in partnership, age is 100% one of them, right? Okay. This is why we have an age of consent. This right. is why um, we have legal cases, right? This is why it is important to consider an age differential in seriously healthy partnership. Understood. At all times. Um do you remember when oh, we were okay, on okay, our- because what we're not saying is like, say if it were the opposite, we were attracted to much younger people. Exactly, baby. Like people in their 20s. We could be taking advantage of them. That's true. Yeah. Because that's totally, that's probably a more normal thing mm-hmm. to be attracted to younger people yes. and more youthful. And yeah, like there's plenty of beautiful 25-year-old girls out there that I see. And I go, oh yeah, she's gorgeous. I just think of them more as children in a lot of different ways where it's like, what the fuck would we talk about? I don't have TikTok. I don't got chat snap. I don't know how to chat snap. Let's get back to this one. The important reason, and as a sex educator, it's always very important for me to talk about the shadow sides of sexuality too, right? Is that within an age differential, there could be an aspect of grooming and it's just very necessary to always mention, right? I, as a person who loves sex, who loves pleasure, would be ignorant to say that there are not harmful sexual behaviors that occur in the world, yeah. okay? Yeah. So this is, again, what we are saying is there are ways to understand that what we are erotically drawn to might not be the healthiest choice for a consensual long-term partnership. But it's okay that it titillates us. It's okay that it turns us on. Again, Esther Perel saying, our red light districts are not politically correct, and that is okay. We are not less of a humanist by desiring older, by desiring power, by desiring this. Yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this. So, like, say if you really were drawn to older men and I was really drawn to younger women, Mm -hmm. would that still be celebrated within our fantasies and imagination? Or is there some type of moral thing? Or does it just stay in fantasy and that's okay? It stays in the red light district. That's literally what I was going to say. Okay, so hypothetically, you would be like, oh, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
where that would need to be. I mean, I'll speak from from really personal experience here because yeah. I don't mind putting this out there. Um, I, you know, my body, my autonomy was really controlled as a younger person. Mm-hmm. And so many of my most illicit red light district fantasies, and I, I've kind of mentioned this to you before, but you're like, I can't do this, have to do with being like a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And I could punish myself for the rest of my life. Uh-huh. Or I could understand that there is a reason that my psyche goes to this. And I could allow myself to continue to heal this part of me that understands that consensual non-consent in the realm of fantasy is actually an opportunity for a person to take their power back. It is their body healing themselves. And as I, over time, integrate my discoveries about why I am drawn to those types of erotic fantasies, the beautiful thing is they are becoming less and less and less and less. It used to be that if I needed to be quickly aroused and quickly turned on, the go-to fantasy was I was younger, this person was older, much older, and I was quite young. Fuck it, me too. Okay? Me that too. was my go-to. Yeah. What research shows is that when we allow ourselves to work through this fantasy, welcome it, understand it, be with it, which is fascinating because I'm just listening to a podcast about lucid dreaming, and I kept thinking this is exactly what I teach my clients. When we don't push it into the shadows and be like, oh, I feel so shameful. Yes, when I yes, allow yes, it yes. to be here, okay, and I work into it and I feel into it and I allow myself to say, hey, baby Lauren, <laughs> it's not what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. Right. Let your body go through the spasms, which is just like a shaking response after trauma, just like laughter is healing. Okay, orgasm is a spasm, too. Once I work through that, what I have found is that then my mind is open to allow more sexual stimulation in different forms. So I am now able to be turned on more quickly by other themes and motifs. So I don't only go to this well. I can go to more wells now because the one is not as fascinating because it's not as taboo. It's not as um, anxiety provoking, which is anxiety is a huge aphrodisiac, giant aphrodisiac. So I'm like, okay, want to get stressed? Go to this one, right? It'll turn you on really quickly. As I have worked through it, welcomed it, allowed it to move through my body, it's beautiful to feel it happen in real time of, oh, no, it's not the only thing that turns me on anymore. Okay, because you're you're kind of unwinding the shame. Yeah. All right. Can you do it in seven minutes? The fourth? Fourth cornerstone. Uh-huh. Do you remember what it is? No. Overcoming ambivalence. Got it. Yeah. Um, this is often the hardest one for people to understand, but it's my fave. <laughs> um, I sometimes equate it to, like, if you were in middle school and you, like, wanted – the the person you had a crush on to notice you and they were just like completely ambivalent towards you um but the baby brought this up the other day she yeah. has a new crush and she said we're like talking about it it's so fun and she texted them and they said no i don't think about you that way what does she say like but that's okay i'm not giving up or we're not giving up we yeah. have a plan or something Which she is, and her bestie yeah i uh-huh Holy and we just shit. both like squeeze each other under the table Perfect, right? It, she gets to feel into this, and She's we get, and also. we talk about it too. Yeah. She and I have like really interesting conversations uh-huh. about, um, yeah, about like, yeah, that this type of ambivalence thing, yeah. But yeah, she wants to do it her way, and like, for me, it's such a shitty way to do it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah we but are she's... slightly, we have different. Mm-hmm. 
a little bit of a different age gap between mm-hmm. how they do it. and But I was doing the same shit. 100%. Where it's like, tell this person I like them and see if they like you. But now they do it with phones. Mm-hmm. So th- that's a perfect example. But, I mean, yes, it it really found its way into my body when I was told that, like, men were dangerous. Stay away from men. They only want one thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, well, wait, there's some men who seem really ambivalent towards me. And those were gay men. But I didn't know that because, you know, that wasn't talked a lot about in the Christian church. And also you have bad gaydar. <laughs> because of this. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, shout out to my gay husband and my gay best friend and all these things. They like, you know, they take care of themselves too. So mm-hmm. like versus yeah, gay men are the hot. like straight men around me in middle school and high school my gay friends are beautiful they like cared and so i really developed like this like taste for the the way they dressed and chose things for them and they would have heartfelt conversations with me i mean come on who wouldn't fall for mm-hmm. anyway i get it so but they were incredibly ambivalent towards me as a sexual human all of these types of things so fast forward to now it's still a huge turn on for me And I found that out post-divorce when I was still kind of seeking out sexual partners who were ambivalent towards me. And the sex would be great, but it was not a relationship at all, right? They were were ambivalent. They they didn't want that. How do we practice ambivalence within our relationship in a healthy manner? It's a perfect question because Trey is anything but ambivalent towards me. And I always tell clients this. You are so attentive and love me and adore me and... Every need that I could ever communicate would be met. So opposite of ambivalence, which is healthy partnership. You want to be in this relationship with me. So the way that we do it most often is if I am horny and turned on and want to have sex, um, if Trey knows this and he's in himself, he'll be like, babe, babe, I really just don't have time for you right now, which is always a lie. Um, and yeah, sometimes it, it's true. Sometimes it's true. But it's it's mostly a giant lie <laughs> yeah. where I will make the time. Well, because mostly when I'm coming on to you, I know you have time. I'm, I usually try not to, like, mm-hmm. interrupt you because, A, you freak out and get startled. But, B, like, I, I'm usually approaching when we play this way. I'm approaching because I know you have some time or space. But you can tell I'm horny. And so you, you will play into my cornerstone by being like, babe, I just... I've got things to do. Or I won't text you back. Mm-hmm. Like in mm-hmm. New York City, I'd wait like four, mm-hmm. five, six hours to text you back. Mm-hmm. And then I wouldn't even go to your thing because it would say red. Mm-hmm. So it goes delivered versus red. Yeah. Or sometimes I would go red too or I'd uh-huh. read it and then I just wouldn't text you back. You know? No, Holland would even say, like, what did Trey say? And I'd be like, oh, he's doing the thing. She's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, he's driving me crazy. Yeah. And she's like, you two are so weird. And I'm like, I, if, if this was um uh, actual habit we didn't clearly communicate it would not work to be clear this isn't out of being a cold dick this is this is this play. is an agreement and play yes this is 100% play he was never keeping on red an actual need i had right no, I'm it's not, not being like a i cold said dick. baby do you have a minute for a phone call i'm having a lot of anxiety could i would just help me to hear your voice that's not cool no not at all this was like i would text him some random photo that I looked sexy on the steps of the Met or something and he'd just ignore it and I'd be like uh-huh I see where this is going one of the ways I'll be ambivalent to you is like say we're having sex and you ask me to come mm. and I don't mm-hmm. I go no mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not right now Jasmine crazy yeah Jasmine crazy 
Yeah. Any other examples? So many. I would encourage couples to lean into, especially long-term partnerships. Yeah, lean into these four cornerstones, longing anticipation, violating prohibitions, search for power, overcoming ambivalence. If you want to know more about it, reach out to me because I would love to teach more about this. It's my like literally one of my favorite things. I just thought of, sorry, another way we violate prohibitions is like, um, you know, find an abandoned parking lot and play around in a car. Fantastic. Right. We think of ways to have sex in ways that are not harmful to the general public, but are, feel like a prohibition for us. 100%. But the the bed and the like mutual masturbation and touching is a perfect example that's so much easier than like going on a car ride. Thank you for listening to the entirety of this partnership podcast with Lauren and Trey. We encourage you to do your own research. I know that these can be really difficult things to sit in the nuance of, and that's okay. It's so okay. So if you want more help walking through this, reach out to me. You can request a free consult by going to sex ed for you forward slash free consult. And yeah, see if you can get on my calendar. Remember, uh, we encourage research of your own. We encourage you to make a informed decision that feels right to you. You have a right to self-determination. What Trey and I do in our partnership, it is not necessarily what's great for you. So have fun, explore, have some juicy conversations and have an awesome day. Thank you.